A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Okay. I want to start this week by launching straight into a bunch of recommendations, which I have not had for a while. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Are you fucking listening? (laughs) Please go ahead. Okay, so I have watched a whole lot of stuff, including Sliding Doors. Forgot how good this movie is. Iconic movie. Wait, who are the love interests in Sliding Doors? uh, is Is it English? Yeah, so it's obviously Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. and then um, there's, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember who it was. I don't think the they're not like famous. People are famous. men. Okay, that's all we need to know. Yeah, but I mean, there might be, and I just don't know who the fuck they are. Yeah, it's John Hannah. Oh, this guy. Oh yeah. Wow, mm-hmm. like an anti, anti hot hot guy. And John Lynch. I don't know who he is. Yeah, very good. Forgot how good it is. I'd only seen it once, so it was like a great throwback. Yeah, I saw it like in the 90s. Yeah. Gwen looks great with long brunette hair and great style in the movie Mm -hmm. as well. I also watched Eyes Wide Shut. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so Uh, fucked. It's so fucked. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is technically Mm. a Christmas movie. Um, So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise. It came out in 1999, and it's all about how Nicole gets really stoned and admits to, like, fantasizing about cheating on Tom Cruise with a sailor. And then <laughs> and then he gets obsessed with bussing someone to cheat on her. And then he finds this crazy cult, um, and it's there's, like, a big orgy scene and stuff. It's very Epstein vibes, like, high society, secret circles. Because yes. they're, they're moving in all these, like... Yeah, high society New York Manhattan circles. And it was like when Nicole and Tom were married 
still, but I think their marriage was, like, falling apart. Really? And I, think I was wondering about the timeline of that. There was something to do with, like, Stanley Kubrick was, like, torturing them on set and it, like, led in part to their divorce because he knew they were fighting, so he'd, like, he would not let them talk to each other between takes and would, like, feed rumours to the other about the other or he'd write things into the script that were actually about their marriage and they would think because they couldn't talk to or see each other there's like some drama behind the scenes with them like playing them off against each other so all the tension was kind of real wild and then they got divorced really soon afterwards it's still so weird to me that they were married it's so weird to me that they were married tom cruise is um gives off big asexual vibes asexual toward yeah homosexual yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) like way on the like yeah but not even not really homosexual vibes repressed gay vibes to the point of being asexual yeah Um, god bless him i do love him i think he's a great actor in his own like hammed up yeah i don't know anything about him what's he in like mission impossible (laughs) yeah he was yelling at heaps of people in england yeah did you see yeah he was like i'm the best thing that's happened to this industry i'm paraphrasing he was saying wow. something about it. he's just such a dick. Um, I also have, as you know, gotten really, really into. Stop looking at the Google Doc ahead of time. I'm trying to sell spoilers. You. Spoilers. Angela <laughs> Lawson's cooking show. Oh my god. Cook, eat, repeat. So I have never watched cooking shows because, as you guys all know, I can't cook. But I'm now starting. You're actually, good. You, you have like body dysmorphia cooking. Oh, wait, what is it? <laughs> Um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome so in the kitchen. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. You're, like, when I met you, I was like, is he such a good cook? And then you're like, I'm so terrible. And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't cooked in years. And then now I'm reclaiming it as part of my breakup from my ex who used to cook all the time. Um, and as part of this, I started watching Nigella Lawson's cooking show, which is so, so funny. So... I mean, heaps of you guys probably already follow her and already know, like, how hilarious she is, but her show is, um, there's basically no one that works on it, so she has complete creative control, <laughs> and just all of the takes, as I told Grace to watch the Christmas special, and all of the takes are just so funny, because it, like, zooms in on her kind of pouting, and shows off these really, like, really good angles of her. She's always got a drink. She, um, makes the funniest stuff, so... Actually, um, she got famous because, she, like, she was wanting to help show working mums and just mums in general that cooking can be easy. Mm. So that's why heaps of her recipes are really easy and straightforward. So basically she's trying to say, when you're really busy, and in the 90s the cooking shows showed her, because I watched them on YouTube the other day, <laughs> showed her going to pick her kids up from school and then coming back and feeding the kids after school lunches and stuff. One so recipe. funny as well because she was married to like the Saatchi guys, like the richest man in Britain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she grew up. Name she's, is Diamond. <laughs> yeah, her dad was like a politician. She grew up so rich. <laughs> she's like, Mums, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Chucks the kids to the nannies and starts cooking. Starts making biscuits <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the recipes when she picks her kids up and takes them home from school is her cooking rice and then getting canned tomatoes and putting them over the rice and mixing it together and putting it in bowls and giving it to the kids that sounds disgusting it sounds disgusting it i would, would be disgusting i would be like stressed if my mum gave me that as a child yeah and then um in another recipe she makes toast and then in one that we just watched yeah she's so great and one that we just watched she cooked pasta and then went to her cupboard and got a um like fancy pasta sauce out of the <laughs> cupboard and then got it out of the container and mixed it through the pasta and then put it on her plate and she was like 
there's basically nothing more simple than this. And it's like, there literally isn't. What do you mean basically? Like, like it's really isn't. that easy. Just yeah. invest in expensive ingredients. Yeah. Or just pasta sauce and pasta. And she, she did a full cooking show on that. She's just... She's, she's an icon. She, yeah, she is an icon. She has... She's kind of like Mariah Carey-esque in the sense where you feel that she literally just lives in her own fantasy land. Yeah. And looks like a really nice place to be. Mm. Yeah. She, it's like she doesn't know anything On her else Christmas exists. special, she was having a party with all these people around at her house when London's in tier four lockdown. Obviously it was filmed ages ago, but I'm like, how long ago? <laughs> We've been in lockdown since March. <laughs> the rules don't apply if you're Nigella. Yeah. Um, then, I'm never going to stop talking. I know. Lots of um, wrecks. I watched the Oscar Pistorius doco. Mm. So, I remember reading this was quite, it was. I feel like it was controversial from the trailer. Yes, and that, but I, I haven't watched it. But I remember reading a bit of the. Yeah, so the trailer got slammed it. because the BBC. It, um, it's called the Trials of Oscar Pistorius, and it's a four-part doco. And for anyone who kind of can't place his name, he is the South African Paralympian who was super famous because he not only won the Paralympics a bunch of times but went to the Olympics and was winning in races with able-bodied men. But he, in 2013, shot and killed his girlfriend, Reva Steenkamp, at his home in the middle of the night. Um, He said he thought it was an intruder in the bathroom and he shot the bathroom door, the locked bathroom, like the locked toilet cubicle door four times Mm -hmm. and then she died. So... The documentary, yeah, as you said, was widely criticised at the time of its promotion because it didn't even include Reva's name in the promo. And it was all about how it was this kind of hero fallen from grace and how did this amazing um, athlete who was breaking barriers and blah, 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 get? how did this happen? Yeah, and wasn't it released as part of, like, Disability Awareness Month or something? <laughs> like, they'd done a bunch oh my of... God. I think there was something with that as well where mm. it was, like, all of these uh, documentaries about, like famous disabled people and they'd put it in there yeah so it's four parts and we were watching it and skipping full episodes like skipped literally through a full episode um because it was all about his career successes and obviously that's relevant to include because he has a really um incredible backstory but it'd be doing a thing on oj and then spending like the whole three episodes talking, talking about, about his like football yeah, career. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then they don't really talk about Reva's life at all. Mm. But um, it's quite uh, a wild story because it's one of those ones, like obviously not like OJ, where it's mm. just so obvious he did it, and but with a, like background of domestic yeah, violence for years. Yeah, yeah, but with this someone, I was I was reading a Guardian article about this documentary, and they said that they t- spent some time talking to his ex girlfriend Sammy, who he was with for four years up until three months before Reva's death. So he broke up with mm. Sammy and then that very night that he broke up with her, he met Reva and mm. asked her to come to this like awards show with him. Oh, so they had been together no. for ages. So she mm. then came to the awards show with him. She just met him and then they started dating and they were dating for three months and then she died. And Sammy has apparently said other times that there was domestic abuse, but in this documentary, she didn't say that and they didn't include anything oh, about yeah. that. But the only thing that she said was that one time she was scared of him with the gun. I remember reading about how he was like quite paranoid about safety and security yeah. and that, that he was asked by people not to have a gun in the bedroom and he insisted because he was really scared about yeah. being able to protect himself. Yeah. And South Africa is like yes. very violent. So it, it touches a lot on apartheid and then um, 
the kind of belief of white South Africans that black South Africans are really dangerous. And it's like the 13th, you know, Ava DuVernay's documentary, how she talks about that birth of a nation film leading on to people thinking that black men are really violent and they're the ones that are going to rape the white woman and they're going to be serial killers and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of the same narrative there where all these white South Africans literally do grow up with this petrifying fear, which is unjustified. Yeah. Of this, of this violence that's going to be, yeah, done and it's like them. the guilt of when it's the other way around, and it's like I think it's the same thing in America. Where it's like the guilt that the white population felt at how awfully they treated the black population is that like, of course they're going to get revenge, mm. and that didn't actually happen, but yeah. they like convinced themselves that there was a threat because they were so sure that they they like would yeah. Be, so that yeah. part of it's really interesting, but basically, yeah, he was he was. He was really petrified for his safety and they had just bought a new house and he'd told his friends he couldn't wait to get out of his house because he just felt unsafe there. Yeah. Um, but basically what happened was in the middle of the night, um, Oscar got up on his stump, so he didn't have mm-hmm. his prosthetics in, got up on his stumps to take the fans out of the window because they were still in the window, he'd realised, and lock up the doors because he couldn't have aircon on for his breathing. And in that time... He alleges, this is his version of it actually, mm. in that time he alleges that Reva went to the bathroom without him realising because he was dealing to the fans and it was three in the morning and then he heard the bathroom window slide and thought it was an intruder. Yeah. So without checking that she was still in bed, he instantly grabbed his gun and, and went down the hallway on his stumps thinking there was an intruder and was calling to Reva to call the police and then yeah, shot the door four yeah. times and then she died. But then other people are saying that that's not correct and that they were having a fight and he'd shot and she'd run to the bathroom and shot the bathroom so right yeah you actually don't you literally can't tell which version is correct it's it's like quite crazy yeah and it's just like even if it wasn't the more malicious version being that fucking reckless yeah you know is like at the end of it like another really bad thing about the documentary is it crams in the the in the last half it literally goes the it was a black woman judge who was um presiding over his trial which mm. was quite uh like significant like quite quite momentous i think but basically they put him in for manslaughter mm-hmm. she she put him in for manslaughter and then um we paused it and had this big discussion and i was like even if he hadn't meant to murder her he did mean to murder because he shot through a wall yeah. four times in yeah. an enclosed space when no one had attacked him. Mm. So surely that's murder. And my boyfriend was like, no, because it was self-defense or whatever. And then we pressed play and then they were like, a judge, another judge came in and said it was murder. And now he's in jail for like 15 years. Well, yeah. So he's still in jail, right? Yeah. He didn't get overturned. Yeah. God, yeah. I, rem- I do remember when it happened, reading a bit about it and finding it like such a kind of complicated case. It's like complicated, but mm. isn't I guess. You just, you just, you just can't know what happened in the house that night. And it's just like got like, but a woman dies every eight hours in South Africa Jesus. of domestic violence. Oh my god! Yeah, and if his ex girlfriend, I, I probably should have Googled, like done more research into her allegations before this. But if his ex girlfriend had had allegations of it just domestic seems bizarre violence, not to include that in a BBC documentary. I know. 
um, with her talking. They did include um, snippets of text messages from Reva, but there was like a couple of messages from her where she was like, sometimes I'm scared of you, but that was about it. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing, like no other marks on her body, no other allegations of domestic. Who, who fucking knows? It's yeah. crazy. Wild. Yeah. Your turn. Bloody hell. Um, oh, I don't have... Okay, so I have a few recommendations. Firstly, or mainly just things to talk about. So firstly, this Hilaria... Hilaria Baldwin drama is really funny and really yeah. stupid. Yeah, tell me more. Okay, so I posted in our Facebook group about this today, actually. Someone did? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, it is, the more I found out about it, the more stupid I realized it was. But basically, Hilaria Baldwin is Alec Baldwin's young, hot, hot third wife or whatever, and they have a bazillion children. They have, like, five children. And I've never heard her talk before, and aunt, I don't know her background or anything. She's... I guess a model or something, but she's got a big Instagram following because she posts a lot about like being a mom. She's kind of like a celebrity mummy blogger sort of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she like Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, like Chrissy Teigen kind of. And she basically Amy Schumer posted something on Instagram. It's like the dumbest white woman beef. Posted something on Instagram making fun of Hilaria Baldwin who put up a photo of her like two months postpartum looking like a Victoria's Secret I angel. Saw that. And Amy Schumer was being like, me and the kid, after blah, 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 like, made a joke on her Instagram account about it, about how it was unrealistic. And then Hilaria Baldwin did an Instagram Live or something on stories being like, inclusive movements mean you also include women that look like me. (laughs) But the thing that happened that was funny is everyone was like, you don't talk like that. (laughs) And because she was in the heat of the moment, she'd spoken with her fully American accent. But people went back through old interviews and she always speaks with like a semi-Spanish accent. And she's always said that she's like half Spanish and is like dual language. And I'll play a clip here of her saying that she can't remember what a cucumber is in English. Oh my god! It's so funny. She's like tomato. She's like uh, tomatoes and uh, how do you say it in English? Uh, cucumber. <laughs> we have very few ingredients. We have tomatoes. We have um, how do you say it? Cucumber. Cucumbers. We have um, red pepper. We have of course. Wait. And she grew up in America. And then basically people are like, this is so fucked. This whole Twitter thread comes out, which has since been deleted, which makes me wonder if they like threatened legal action. This whole Twitter thread comes out of her saying in interviews that she was born in Mallorca in Spain, that she's half Spanish, that like her whole family is Spanish, that um, she is bringing her children up bilingual because she is, was brought up bilingual. It says in all of these interview profiles on her that she was born in Spain and partially raised in Spain. Then she gets on Instagram and is like, I can't help if the media misreports on me. I was born in Boston. Oh my God. <laughs> and basically none of her lineage is Spanish. Her parents had a holiday house in Mallorca when she was a kid and she used to spend like summers in Mallorca or whatever. Wait, she's not Spanish. So she's not technically Spanish. She's fluent. She is fluent in Spanish and she like, this is what's funny because Amy Schumer was then taking the piss and posted a picture of herself in a sun hat being like, when you go to your like uh, holiday home in Barcelona once with like a cucumber emoji and everyone was like leave her alone but basically she said which I kind of then when I watched her full thing about it she was like my whole family have since moved to Spain which is true so like her dad brother everyone and all her extended family have lived in Spain for a really long time and she goes there for like months at a time 
And when she's there, she exclusively speaks Spanish. And she's like, my parents made us speak Spanish at home. So I'll speak Spanish for really long periods, like months long periods. And then I'll come back and then I'll be like a little bit rusty with English. And it sounds kind of embarrassing. And I know it sounds embarrassing, but like just the way she explained it, I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a storm in a teacup. But it, the idea is hilarious. She was like, I know I'm white. Okay, I know, I know, oh, I, I know. know. <laughs> but, Surely um, the media can't have gotten that wrong. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. Like people, they did a, um, I'm trying to remember who did an Instagram thing that was really funny where it was like a, a Latin American magazine had her and Alec on the cover. She definitely lied, pre- has pretended that she is. But is her name like, Hillary? Latino. So her, that's what she explained as well. Her, her birth name is Hillary. That she goes by Hilaria, which is like the Spanish <laughs> version. That's Like Jada. And like when I was watching her explanation, I was like, oh, this all just seems fair enough. And afterwards I was like, no. And then I was thinking about people. Like it's such a common thing. I Googled it. There are so many celebrities who have just weirdly leaned into fake accents. And I'm like, why do people do that? Yeah, we were watching, um, we were watching that YouTube of that cute girl who did like a Vogue, um, she had a Vogue wardrobe thing and yeah. she's from Paris and she spoke super, super French with a super French accent in yeah. this. But then in all these other videos, she just speaks with a full American a accent. Full American There's no accent. French accent. She grew up in France, so she does speak French and is like kind of French. But in every other video up until before 2019, she's like full Cali girl because she lived in California and her mom's Californian. She moved to California when she was like, I don't know how old. And she's like, yeah. And then she's like, wee wee, I'm sorry. Uh, English is my second language. I was like, shut the fuck up. But that's funny. It's like kind of psychotic. Yeah. So the other people who've done it is Madonna, which she moved to London after she married Guy Ritchie. And she started talking to the press with an English accent. Meghan Markle got roasted. (laughs) But I just think it's so funny how people, it's like how we made fun of people who live here for two years Mm. and talk with an English accent. And you're like, this is fake. Because you wouldn't have picked up an English accent after being in Australia for 27 years and then living here for 18 months. That's just not real. Also, everyone who lives here hangs out with New Zealanders. Exactly. Anyway. It's just a lie. Like, I just don't believe it. But then I feel bad. Wait, what's like, Meghan Markle? Oh, Meghan Markle. There was just that footage of her, like, just after she married Prince Harry. And Speaking someone asked her something and she sounded like she had a fake British accent. Yeah. Um, and then Lindsay Lohan, obviously. What was that? Do you remember? I'll play it. It's so funny. I have no fucking data on my phone, but she pretended to speak with like a, she was pretending to speak English by way of speaking Greek as her first language because she'd been living in like Mykonos. This is just me holding it with me walking, going. Whereas the paparazzi maybe across the street, I didn't know. And they crucified me for it in America. They made me seem like Satan. You know what the thing is, is sometimes I pick up accents by accident. <laughs> my Zach says I talk differently when I'm around my dad. I speak differently, I think, around you. I speak right. more Australian. Yeah. So on the podcast, there's certain words that I say that I don't say. When I'm not around you, I speak less Australian, I think. Yeah. And I you obviously pick up isms. Like, mm. I say A at the end of things now because of you. <laughs> a. <laughs> Pretty good A. <laughs> I was like, what do other people say? Yes. They don't say A. I can't understand. And then um, my boyfriend was like, I'd say, what do you think? Or something. Instead of just being like, hey, hey, it's pretty hot. Hey. But I, yeah, I think there's just, I think to be like boring and woke about it, there is something like gross about a white woman like dipping in and out of being Latino when it fucking suits her. Because she thinks it's like sexy and interesting when like, if you speak English as a second language, you're like 
fucking overlooked for jobs and like treated badly by people and like abused on the fucking street and shit like I, I it is kind of gross but i think it's not as nefarious as at first yeah i don't think she's like a grifter but i do think it's embarrassing um i also started the ripper which i know you've watched oh on yeah Netflix about the yorkshire ripper so he was a serial killer in yorkshire england in the what 70s 70s yeah and um, and he he recently died he died like a couple of weeks ago and it was all over the paper and i was like what is this and then read all about it in the paper randomly Mm. and then you started the documentary and were telling me about it so now i've started watching it i wasn't gonna watch it because my psych told me to stop watching true crime stuff like five years ago um but my dad told me to watch it because he said that it's a lot of it becomes about like it is gruesome to watch anything about someone that kills women is horrible to watch but there became like a big feminist uprising in response to how badly the police botched the case and he was like you'll find that stuff really interesting and it was so interesting because he killed sex workers i think the first three murders of the york stripper were sex workers and so the police became so Obsessed with that narrative. Obsessed with that narrative that when other women were like, someone tried to attack me before the first woman was killed in this similar manner and this is what he looked like or whatever, they would say, are you a sex worker? And they'd say no. And they, uh, the police yeah. would say, okay, well, it's not him then. They it's took just, out, just insane. They took out an ad in the paper and they were like, we know you're obsessed with killing prostitutes. Like, we know you have a hatred of them. I was like, drop that. Drop like that. And they just, they had this really gross... Um, like language they use when the first woman who wasn't a prostitute who was killed was found, they'd be like, this is the first innocent. This is serious now. And they like fully started taking it more seriously. Um, And people, feminists were trying to explain to them at the time. They were like, they're like prostitutes or sex workers are easy targets for someone that hates women because Mm -hmm. they're usually on the, on their own. They're vulnerable. They usually don't have much money. They're in a very like precarious position so he's just attacking women. He doesn't care who they are, but prostitutes were like the a starting point for him and the police just would not listen and he ended up killing 13 women. Yeah, because the police were so... Yeah, idiotic. useless. They had and him they, they nine times. Him. Yeah. Nine! Nine times. Can you imagine being that useless And you were job? saying, I'm not up to that yet, this part yet, but you were saying that at his work they were making jokes saying that he was the ripper. Yeah, because he, he matched all of these... Descriptions. There's like a bit my dad was like... He was like, it's not funny, but there's literally, like, a composite of his face that someone who escaped him drew. And it's, like, literally his face. Like, it couldn't <laughs> be possible. <laughs> like, it would be like if there was a drawing of you that was, like, so perfect and it was, like, a serial killer and, like, just no one did anything for, like, six years and you also happened to, like, live in the area and had yeah. been at, like, five of the locations. Yeah. I mean, it isn't funny. It's fucking awful. But it's always interesting to watch, like... It's someone said at some point in that documentary they were like, um, this was a case that was all about just a man who just fucking hated women because he was he was short and he was bullied by his father and he was it was always told he was a sissy and effeminate and all of this stupid stuff and he obviously was just like a massive misogynist, um, and someone said you know this was a case that was all about a man that hated women and there was not a single woman in the entire yorkshire police force there was not a single woman in the entire press room that was covering it there was not a single woman on like the legal teams that were doing it it was just it's just crazy isn't it isn't it just one last thing yes (laughs) um i have a new app that you'll be obsessed with Mm -hmm. it's called i don't know how oh i ordered i ordered something online 
And then it said download the shop app. Wait, just quickly on something on that, which is really, really cute. The other day, Zach was like, um, he was like, oh, he was like, I'm trying to get a shipment because all these shipments have been banned from coming into England because of issues with the border. Zach was like, and UPS have just started this like really cool new um, like feature where you can type in your tracking number and it tells you where it is. So I was like, Zach. Like such a muffin. Like he thought it was like a special new feature, like tracking your order. Oh my god! I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I he never shops online since I was like ten. Actually, um, but there's this amazing app called Shop, which been, has been around for ages. Someone was, I think, one of my friends had spawned on for it like a year ago, but it's been around for ages. But basically, if you set it up to your email address, so I set it up to my email address that it orders stuff on, it automatically pulls through your orders and starts tracking them for you so they're all in one place so you literally mm. click on it and it just says like exciting exactly where everything is uh, oh my god so it'll be yeah and and it will do the updates so much more than they would if you checked it online so there's yeah. all of all of them are in here i don't want you to see through the them. screen because i've ordered some <laughs> more clothes i'm like it's looking busy on that app <laughs> yeah <laughs> got some heels on the on route <laughs> we got some heels on route yeah i found so, i was very optimistic of you isn't it i'm not going anywhere i think i'm gonna wear them on new year's at home <laughs> walk um, around the house yeah another thing i want to talk to you about is this l story that went like super viral this week mm. which is martin screlly the farmer bro and his girlfriend christy smythe so it's basically about how this journalist used to work for bloomberg like, blew up her whole life and career, divorced her husband, <laughs> quit her job. Relatable. So, like, so relatable for Martin Shkreli, who's this, like, not very attractive, awful, grifter-type man who basically became famous for acquiring life-saving, I think, HIV medication and racking up the price, like, 500 times. It was 5,000%. 5,000%. Yeah, so it was, like, unaffordable to sick people who were dying. So he's a revolting, repulsive human being. And um, he was condemned, I think, by Obama. And then um, eventually they looked into his business practices and he was, like, a massive fraudster and now he's in jail. And this woman was reporting on him for Bloomberg News and fell in love with him. And and basically he talked her from jail... Everyone loves a fucking filthy, geeky bad boy. That's what I love th- about this story. It's just so... That's the reason it's gone viral, I think, is because... It, so, basically, the, t- the kind of twist in this story is this um, journalist from Elle who used to work at the New York Times on the crime beat with Christy Smythe. I think they're, I think they're friends, but they're not saying how close they are. Um, interviewed her because she, she knew this had happened to get her side of the story. And midway through Christy doing this profile the journalist reached out to Martin Shkreli in jail which is while Christy has frozen her eggs for them to have a baby once he gets out in seven years and he basically dumps Christy via press release to this journalist being and, like, and Christy <laughs> does a full photo shoot for this L profile where like, she's dressed as like well. <laughs> rotate Bridget Christensen in, in Central Park I was like we're surely not happy with this <laughs> <laughs> justice so, like, fucking like, the vampire's wife that's joking? like the one thing that hasn't ended up on their Instagram now. account yeah because yeah, Zach was reading it as well because someone had sent it to him and he mm-hmm. was like 
Um, he's like, I'm reading this story, and the chick's been like wearing the vampire's wife, and I was like, is this the Martin Shkreli story? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and it, then he dumps her when she's dressed up in Central Park doing this profile, doing this photo and she's shoot, doing it yeah. to, to make him sound good, to be like, no, my boyfriend was misrepresented. I know. And he dumps her. And he dumps her. And basically, I th- the thing I find interesting about it, the article's interesting and that's like a good twist, but I thought, thought what was more interesting was that they did a follow-up interview with her after all of the media storm happened. Um, and she was saying that, like, she was really offended by the narrative on Twitter where everyone was saying, like, oh, my God, she's just been manipulated. Sorry, she's just been manipulated she's been tricked she's mentally ill she's been like manipulated by this reporter as well and she was like i'm offended by this idea that i've got no autonomy in this situation like i literally fell in love and left my husband and, and my dog <laughs> and like yeah i'm but, dumb like, i chose to do it but i chose all yeah. of this and i was like i kind of like i hate that idea that anyone who woman who does something stupid for a bad boy mm has like zero autonomy over her actions like yeah of course it's a mistake and she's gonna regret it but like who has not been there before yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's just the weirdest dude to fall in love do with do you know what else I was, I was thinking um when we we're watching the oscar pistorius documentary is i was thinking about how many women will be writing to him in jail like how many mm. jail wives he'll have because he's fucking hot he's like a really good looking guy yeah how many women will be writing to him in jail how many women will be writing to martin in jail okay we need to talk what about this actually that? so i just finished reading the executioner song which like is one of my classic fucks i'm not going to talk about on the podcast things because no one wants to hear it's like in a thousand page long book about some fucking murder in the 70s of course um but the guy involved, basically, it is interesting because this guy, Gary Gilmore, I talked about this ages ago, I think, when I first started reading it. I finally finished it. He was, he committed a murder in the 70s and he was given the death penalty, but they hadn't executed anyone in 10 years. And he was like, no, if I'm going to have the death penalty, execute me. And they were like, no, we just want to put you on death row. Because like, even though they were doing death penalty, no one was getting executed. Um, and he insisted, and it went through the courts, that if they executed him, they had to do it within 30 days or something. And he got, like, the most insane level of women calling him and email, like, calling him and sending him letters and, like, obsessing over him and sending him naked photos and, like, saying, I'm in love with you, I know you're the love of my life and all of this stuff. And he's what like, is up not, with that? Not a handsome man. Like, not an unattractive man, but not a handsome man. And I was like, what is that? Yeah, it's but so, I, so, so. I it's like the rescue, yeah. rescuer dynamic. It's mater- It's the maternal, like... Seeing that it's just it's just someone who's, like, done something wrong but means well. It's so weird. And thinking you're you the one that, like, can save, save them. them. Like, you're the only one that gets them. It's like a narcissistic thing, I think. Yeah, it's so crazy. The, the jail wives thing is wild. So many men. What's his face? Making a murderer? The Yorkshire Ripper had one. Of course. He had, like, a fucking wife that he fully was his wife until he died, I'm pretty sure. Making a, a murderer. Making a murderer? <laughs> so Steve, Steve Avery, Avery. <laughs> had jail wives. That, Come on. That is actually the perfect example of how out of hand <laughs> this has <is> gotten. <laughs> He's, like, four foot tall and has, like, two brains. <laughs> And obviously did it. (laughs) And obviously murdered them, yeah. It's crazy. And convinced his poor little cousin that Brandon or Brendan? Yeah. Brendan. Uh, Brendan won't have any jail. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. 
yeah, would you be a jail wife? Would you be a jail wife for Oscar Pistorius? Tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hot man. <laughs> But obviously not. <laughs> hey, so, the, yeah, the thing about it was, like, they were, like, he's this amazing sporting hero, and then they talked about how he'd started moving with all these gangsters and bought a gun and was being a freak. So. <laughs> being a freak. I don't know, but he's quite hot. I actually dated a boy that looks quite like him for a little bit until he jumped me. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he was sporty as well, which is. He was sporty. Sporty. That's good. The story is he's got, like, the double whammy of, like. He's got like the double whammy of being like a Paralympian, so you like he's overcome adversity and he's you know And his mum died. And his mum yeah. See now I want to marry him. I'm yeah, joking, they, I'm joking. They played on how he's like super lonely and travels alone. And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm gonna write him a letter <laughs> about how I'm lonely as well and tear four. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that was crazy was oh I'll stop talking about it now. What was that documentary like the West Memphis three? But they were actually innocent and um, – but they'd been in jail for, like, on death row for, like, 20 years. And one of the guys was, like, an artist and a poet and he married his, like, jailbird wife. But it was actually really cute because he was innocent. Aww. So she, like, stuck by him till they got out and now they're married, which is really nice. Adorable. Um, Have you stuck by Zach if he went to jail for 10 years? I, I like to think so. <laughs> Unless it was for, like, murder. trying to murder me. <laughs> Then maybe not. Um, it would I, get- I would start dating him. <laughs> I, I would write, start, write him a letter about how he's misunderstood and how annoying you are. How you can never. I always thought you two so were wrong for each other. <laughs> Zach, we're one and the same. It is, but the the jail thing is like so fucked as well. But that's like another conversation for another time. Yeah, jail's just a joke. Like this book I've been reading, the Executioner Song, is like literally about how a guy stole a car when he was like 15 and got sentenced to jail for like 10 years and got like sexually assaulted in prison was put in solitary confinement for yeah, like you come out worse off and he just came out completely antisocial incapable of human connection or like working 9 to 5 hours or doing anything you're given literally no rehabilitation mm. what else are you going to do like you're just going to return to what you know yeah and a lot of people insane. who go to jail Reoffend to get back into jail. Yeah, because it's the only atmosphere yeah. where they're comfortable. It's just yeah. it's so crazy. Jail is actually just a joke. Do you want another drink? Yeah. <laughs> Jail's a joke. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
So another thing I wanted to talk to you about is obviously a couple of weeks ago, FK Twigs sued Shia LaBeouf, her ex-boyfriend um, of domestic abuse. And he, so I also didn't know that he had this new film coming out with Vanessa Kirby, who we both love, British actress. She played Princess Margaret on season one and season two of The Crown. She's a legend. She's such a good actress. Also on About Time, which I recently rewatched. She, yeah, everyone's in that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was filmed on the road that me and Grace always meet on for coffee in Notting Hill. But mm-hmm. she, uh, he's in this new film called Pieces of Woman, and I heard that Vanessa Kirby was getting all this Oscars buzz, and I was like, "What's this about?" So I googled it, saw a trailer. She's playing his wife. Well, she's the central focus of the film, but he's her husband. Mm-hmm. And now the film, which is getting all this Oscars buzz, she's getting Oscars buzz. She won um, Best Actress at Cannes or something. She, she's won like some big award, which means that she's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar. Now the whole film has been kind of thrown under the bus because of Shia's actions, which seems so sad to Vanessa and everyone who worked on this film. Like, Netflix mm-hmm. removed him. So Netflix, so you put your films forward for consideration for the Oscars and stuff, and Netflix removed his name completely from Pieces of a Woman. Right. And they removed him... They removed him for consideration, but then they removed him from, like, any mention of the film at all, mm. which is quite wild. Um, and, like, it made me think... So I wrote an article about it for Grazia, mm-hmm. and it made me think about the time that... Um, Kirsten Dunst, back when she did Melancholia, was like so widely thought she was going to get win Best Actress. She didn't even get nominated mm. because on the promo tour, Lars von Trier, the uh, the director, said that he said some like Nazi comments, pro Hitler comments, really random. Wasn't even her. Mm. And then she, the whole film got blacklisted. And mm. I was like, I was thinking about how that like story of that whole question of separating the art from the artist yes has like come up again because of this yeah 100 percent. i think it's difficult because it it would just be harder for audiences to watch it without Mm. like that's what he's kind of done by being the person that he is and getting this role is that i think that i think that that people will still be able to appreciate her performance and that she will still get buzz and hype around her role in it but the fact that he's like cast the shadow over it it's just gonna make heaps people not even want to watch it if people do watch it people are going to be watching it with a certain level of like skepticism that they wouldn't have had otherwise you're going to notice him every time he's kind of like in the scene or in the frame in a way you wouldn't otherwise it's just going to impact the whole rollout of this film for her which just sucks and it feels like all of the right things are going to be done where it's like netflix are trying to remove his involvement and make it all about her and make it all about the rest of the cast but I think it is inevitable that it's going to impact the way, like, everyone's consuming it. Because it's just going to be the talking point around even us talking about it now is being like, okay, how do we make sense of Shia LaBeouf in this movie? Mm. That's just going to be the way people are discussing it even. And I was even thinking I was so happy that I'd watched Honey Boy before I found out about all of this because mm. it was such a good movie, mm-hmm. such a clever movie, and now I would never be able to watch it in the same way. And that's the thing I think we talked about with Woody Allen and, like, Roman Polanski and stuff. We kind of came to this conclusion back in February or whatever when Woody Allen's memoir was coming out. Where we were like, you, you... Like, the question shouldn't be, should you watch Annie Hall or whatever? Like, the question is, like, can you watch Annie Hall in the same way, knowing that the person who made it is probably a pedophile and that the film is about, like an older man and, like, a teenage girl having a relationship. That's Manhattan, not Annie Hall. But um, 
like it, it should be more about like how does who we know the person is inform the work that they made instead of trying to we know that you can't separate it and we know that we're not going to stop pretending that these like really important pieces of work exist so it's just like all they've all that's happened is this person has like ruined the experience of a great piece of art for a lot, for a lot of people by not taking their responsibility mm. as an artist seriously you know yeah it's like obviously this movie shouldn't be banned no, no, obviously no, no one's saying that. Obviously, no one's going to not watch it. Obviously, people are still going to praise Vanessa Kirby, but like, but it's also quite crazy because should his role in the film say if he was getting the Oscars, but it's not Vanessa Kirby? Yeah, should his role as an actor and the way he did his job be impacted by what he does outside of his job? So, for example, yeah. Casey Affleck was mm. when the Me Too movement happened. Ben Affleck's younger brother, maybe. I think he just missed it. It was like the no, summer before. No, it was like 2012. Oh, was it? it was ages ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. Be- yeah, it was before, before Me Too happened. Right? Yeah, 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 way before Me Too happened, he was accused by two women on a film set of sexual misconduct, and and the cases were settled through a mm-hmm. court for an undisclosed sum, so they can't talk about it. So it was like a full, full. Mm-hmm. They both sued him. Um, and then in the Me Too movement, this stuff got pulled back up, but it was at the exact same time that he was at a lead role in the film Manchester by the Sea. He ended up winning Best mm-hmm. Actor for that. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's a bit different because his the things that happened were years ago and it just got brought back up because of the Me Too movement. But then it's like, should the person still be celebrated for the work they're doing? So Shia's coming to work and doing a really good job in this movie, but outside of work has done these really horrible things. Like, say, if it was an office job and you were a banker, would you get fired for, for, I don't know. Yeah, if if it came out that you'd, like, been accused of beating your wife. I mean, probably. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing that's so difficult is that we, like, the line is really hard to draw. I think that's, like, what's so complicated about this conversation is that, like, it's generally acknowledged that people that are damaged like (laughs) emotionally fucked up people make really really great art like if you haven't been through tumultuous um childhoods or histories or if you haven't had like some fucked up life experiences or trauma like people who are traumatized as a rule not all the time tend to create the most like beautiful pieces of writing or music or whatever and it's like if we're asking for a perfect for the people who make the art that we love to have a flawless personal character you're going to be disappointed right Mm -hmm. because it's like no one does the question becomes like where do you draw the line between not being a great person and being like such a bad person that your work shouldn't be endorsed yeah you know like that's what's so difficult it's like if someone and the thing is as well is that like i'm not saying what's happening to shia labeouf is unfair of course it's fair but it's like very hypocritical considering how many people in hollywood are known domestic abusers and are still working all the time but it's yeah. just, like, their cases happened to happen at a time where people cared less. So, like, we made a list, and it's, like, Sean Penn, Johnny Depp, Mel Gibson, Emma Roberts, <laughs> which is crazy. Wait, what? Yeah, Emma Roberts was a, was arrested for domestic violence against Evan Peters in, like, 2018. What, yeah. Wild. <laughs> like, beating the shit out of him. Christian Slater, Mike Tyson, Charlie Sheen, Josh Brolin, Chris Brown are people who've been, like, arrested for domestic violence. And everyone in that list is... Bar kind of Johnny Depp, but not really. He's kind of like... And, and his thing's happening literally right now, and he's still working. And he's, he's created that off. issue. Everyone wanted to sweep it under the rug and keep him working. He's the one that's, like, created this libel Huge trial, thing, yeah. you know? And he's still the Dior Savage yeah. ambassador. And it's like Christian Slater's in Mr. Robot, and like Mike Tyson's still in, like, 
stuff. So heaps of stuff. And Josh Brolin Josh Bro- still is, like, really celebrated actor, like, I think. And Sean Penn, like... I didn't know about Sean Penn. Sean Penn, like, beat Madonna to a pulp. Like, he nearly killed her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she dropped the charges against him because she didn't want it to ruin his career. He, like... The reports... Were they dating? They were married? No, they dated, yeah, for, like, years. Why? And he, like, tied her to a chair and, like, beat the shit out of her and she escaped. And the, like, police officers said that they didn't even recognise her when she got to the police station. And he, like, went on and won an Oscar. You know what I mean? I just feel like there's, like, a, le- a certain level of hypocrisy with acting like Shia... Hollywood likes to act like they're really good and moral by getting rid of one person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, to showcase. Looking, yeah. Yeah. Um... And then it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like if you're an abused, traumatized person and you're a drug addict, you often behave violently. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, doesn't excuse it, but it's like that stuff. Everyone was so happy for that stuff to be true about Shia LaBeouf until they found out that he hit his girlfriend. It's like we knew he hit men <laughs> and we knew he hit like random people on set and we knew he did all this stuff and everyone's like, he's just a crazy guy, you know? And then he hit but his girlfriend. And yeah, kid. yeah, like, he, but it's just like that's just a continuation yeah. of what everything we yeah. knew about mm-hmm. him, and it's like, okay, good, violence against women is the line, but it's just funny that like, yeah, what are the lines? So another big story this week was uh, the Cut did a huge piece in New- from New York Magazine um, called "Who Did J.K. Rowling Become." Also, I just had to Google how to say her last name, and it's rolling like a like you're rolling a ball. Roll, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never gonna remember this. It's a rolling stone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's all about how she. Cre- I, I had no idea that she grew up in Edinburgh, um, was on the dole, and was with an abusive husband, and then left him with her daughter, and had no money, and mm. wrote Harry Potter, and then became the billionaire she is. She's got quite a like wild backstory yeah i th- I remember that in co- the context of the johnny depp stuff because um people were really surprised at her coming out and backing him because remember she publicly said that and they're like you've talked in the past about being a domestic violence yeah survivor yeah this is funny because <laughs> i don't think we've like split in our views but i feel like this gave me a more like sympathetic view of jk rowling's like turf um uh, activities and gave you like a <laughs> the less opposite. The opposite. Yeah, I was like, you fucking bitch, <laughs> <laughs> you fucking turf. <laughs> yeah. So, so basically, the cut did a huge piece on her, and in the piece, they linked through to an essay she had written back in June, when basically all of this kicked off again. Because mm. what happened with her turf comments was ages ago, like a year or something ago, she liked a tweet and her publicist said we've talked about this on the podcast before but her publicist said that it was a middle age moment moment, and she didn't mean to do it and then afterwards she tweeted her support of a woman who had been fired for anti-trans comments Mm -hmm. and then uh, after that I think she came back on Twitter and did something else and everyone went wild calling her a turf and Mm -hmm. blah 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 and so she wrote this big essay and I never read it at the time I didn't even see it come out it was the middle of Pride Month and BLM (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wished I kind of wished I had read it at the time because so it's just been nominated for a BBC like journalism award, which is like really strange as well. Like the BBC being fucking scat again, like with I their Oscar that, for stories. Thing. I find that really wild as well because when I read it, one of the first things I thought was 
oh, she's not that good of a writer when no. it's um, yeah. unedited. Yeah, yeah, She was yeah. like, well, I'll tell you my five points why I yeah. say these things. And I was like, why are you listing them like that, you weirdo? Yeah, I think I, appre- I appreciated... I think that Twitter is such a bad place for discourse. And I, I appreciated that she'd gone to the effort to, like, explain in, like, a 5,000-word essay her perspective on this conversation, which she obviously cares very passionately about. And she obviously really believes that she's doing something that is helpful for women. I disagree that it is. I think it's completely misguided, but I think I, I think I used to see her as someone that was just being like needlessly antagonistic on Twitter for no reason. Whereas I now feel like she, this is like a moral crusade to her. And I think she did, she discussed things in that essay that I think are conversations within the trans community about like when children should be given hormone treatments. And if there is like, um, if it's, if, you know, there's, like, been cases, and, like, granted, these are fringe cases, but cases where there's, like, clusters of kids who are kind of, like, 12 or 13 who seven or eight of them will say at the same time that they've identified as trans and want to transi- transition, and in that case, should parents be giving them, like, gender-altering hormones or not? Like, I think those are conversations that are actually valid and that are happening within the trans community right now, but I think her her whole problem is that she and the whole problem with any conversation that's critical of the trans movement is it's picking up like things that are so fringe and so like rare and so kind of irrelevant to the mainstream trans conversation that you're kind of like why are you even dying on this sword like how people say should we ban trans athletes from competing in athletic events and then you look at the numbers and there's like 32 <laughs> trans athletes yeah. that are trying to compete in yeah. an Olympic event it's like such a tiny thing that it should just be treated on a case-by-case basis because it's so irrelevant to society as a whole. We don't have any giant social discussions about things that affect 30 people in a country's population ever. But, like, this seems to be the thing that's happening with trans, like, the trans conversation where, like, some people, a lot of white women especially, are, like, jumping on fringe cases mm. and saying, but what about this? And it's like, you're not wrong, but if that's all you want to talk about, then your argument is disingenuous yeah but then there's some there's some of her points which are just so wild and outlandish and in the cut so in the cut they basically say a huge thing that her and other women she doesn't like to be um lumped in as a turf mm-hmm. but other and i also think turf is kind of like i don't like the term no turf. i don't like the term yeah. turf because it's it's like trans exclusionary radical feminist yeah like why are you why is she she's not a radical feminist in any and that's like letting sense. her feel like she's doing that's, something yeah, that sounds yeah, exactly. like a positive yeah. thing yeah but her and other women like her who have the same beliefs think that or a huge a huge part of their argument is that if you say that anyone can be if you divide, define being a woman and a man by your gender instead of by your sex so mm-hmm. i could say that like anyone could say they're a woman or a man and she was saying that there's these new laws um in place in certain countries where you don't have to have hormones you don't have to have um surgery or anything and you can just say that you're a woman or a man as you please and she was saying that the problem with that is that then uh men can say that they're trans women and go into women's only spaces and then attack them and i was like what are you where are you getting this from and, and that's what i mean about where it's like 
you're bringing up this thing that it's like okay, okay I can see how in a logical argument you're getting from A to B but like in the real world that doesn't happen this isn't a thing because if someone wanted to rape a woman in a public toilet they would not be doing it by identifying as a woman on the way in like, yeah, they would just do it like <laughs> it's just even stopping to check who's walking yeah, in like, the bathroom it's not being like, like, are you, are yeah. you like, someone with a checkboard being like do you identify as a woman that doesn't happen and also if you're going to commit a crime saying, yeah. it's not like exempting you from the crime that you then commit how you identify identified walking in like it doesn't it, yeah. it, it it doesn't matter in the real world and also like a huge thing that she she leans on for her views she says that she's a, a survivor of sexual assault mm-hmm. and i just find it so random that she thinks because she was sexually assaulted by a man not trans mm-hmm. woman just mm-hmm. a, a man that men are pretending to be women to get into bathrooms to attack women like i don't really see the link there like she's mm-hmm. basically saying that because she was sexually assaulted by a man she thinks that that is like yeah. a is like a cause for for saying that that's. I think what's insinuated, uh, um, but isn't directly said, and I could be wrong about this, is that J.K. Rowling was assaulted in a public space, and I think that her feeling is that it is essential for women to have places in public that they can feel safe and know that they will not be intruded upon by a man. And I think that, like, everything that she's doing is feeling like there's something sacred about women who are so under threat of male violence all the time having communal places in public where they can feel secure, that they can be together and not risk male violence. And that's why I think that, like... Which is actually what they will be if it's trans women. Yeah. And it's not being, like, men can come in. Yeah, I think... I And I think that the idea to her that we are moving in our discussions about gender to a point where gender becomes what irrelevant is, or, yeah. or where it becomes that everything's unisex. I think that really frightens her and that comes from a place of like her own trauma. So I think that the reason that this gave me a renewed view on her is not that I think she's right. And I think that the level of her platform means that her saying what she's saying is obviously really damaging, but it gave me a new perspective on like, where she's coming from and what she's saying and why she is so hell-bent on saying it because I think she really thinks she's doing something to protect women. What's frustrating is, and I think we've seen this a lot this year with white women, especially with, like, the Karen memes, is white women feeling like they're so powerless in society and they're such victims in society that they're always the underdogs in a conversation and it seems like she cannot get her head around the fact that she is, like, one of the most powerful people in the world to be having this conversation Mm. it's like when she's talking she doesn't understand the knock-on effect it has for her to talk like that and that's what makes it so unbearable because it's like you're not just this little random old woman who like is saying something that's brave it's like you're one of the most public figures in the world and you're saying something that's so damaging and she says in a fucking essay she's like uh admittedly the people that are most victims of bathroom violence are trans people that can't go into the toilets they're supposed to because they get attacked by men like trans women that have to go into male bathrooms because of the laws then get beaten up by guys in the male bathrooms. Yeah. They're the victims of yeah. violence. Yeah. Like, it's just she crazy. She also says in her essay <clears throat> that polls show, I'm like, what fucking polls are you talking about, you kook, that women who are lucky enough to not have been assaulted by men and those who have never troubled to educate themselves on how prevalent that is are the only ones that don't care about bathrooms being single sex. Okay. So she's, she literally says... <laughs> That polls show that only people who haven't been sexually assaulted and only people who haven't educated themselves on sexual assault are the only ones that care. And I was like, insane. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
<laughs> but um yeah and she yeah i don't know there's just like a lot in there like she says that people say i don't have trans people in my lives and i've, I've met a couple of adorable children and one trans woman like i was like what yeah. the fuck are you talking about yeah um and then after her essay she also yeah she said yeah she says that she wants trans people to be safe and she doesn't wish them any harm but like Obviously, she must know that now she's the face of the anti-trans movement. Like, there's people putting up billboards with her name on them and then anti-trans slogans because of her. And it's like, if you care that much about trans people's safety, you would then be slamming these people who are using your name. That's what I mean. Your essay would be about, like, if you... That's what I mean about if she had genuine intentions, so much of that essay would be dedicated to, like... Saying, the actual no, violence that trans people yeah, face no, in real life. No, I don't life. believe this. And I saying, really, yeah. I spend this much money and this much time and, like, this is my understanding of the problems. However, I, for some fucking reason, have some weird issue with this, like, tiny niche issue, which actually has nothing to do with the mainstream trans conversation, but I'm going to, like, get involved in it. It's, like, that's just so bizarre. Like, I hope this nothing that I'm saying is being misconstrued as me agreeing with anything she's saying. I don't agree with what she's saying. I just, I think it's, like, it's very interesting to me that the reason she is being so dogged in what she's doing is because she's so convinced that she's, like, a good person doing a good thing. Mm. And that's, like, it's, like, religious nut jobs. It's, like, that's so much more difficult to, like, stamp out than someone that's just being contrarian. Yeah. You know? Because, yeah, because you would never change her You're not going to stop. And it's, like, I don't know what it would take at this point to just, I'm, like, I just want to sit down and explain to her, but... Yeah. What can I say that and, but is not all over the internet and that trans activists haven't been saying for, like... 60 years yeah she's this billionaire sitting in her edinburgh like mansion being like i'm getting online abused and also women may get abused in bathrooms by men pretending to be women when completely trans people are getting murdered at such a higher rate than anyone else in the world like and and she's being like potentially this may happen like it's just it's It's literally it would be so strange it would be like writing an essay about like male victims of domestic violence like Mm. that's what i like i don't know if that's like a great analogy but it's like it would be like picking something and like there could be like some merits or points to some of the things that you're saying but you're like ignoring the 99 percent of the problem that is the actual problem on purpose Mm. and that's what i just don't understand about her having said that i feel like the cuts essay was like needlessly gratuitous in parts like, it really annoyed me how they said, um, she says she's a victim of domestic violence, brackets. Her husband says that he only slapped her once, close brackets. And I was like, okay, we don't <laughs> do that about anyone else. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, where, where else when we talk about a, vi- like, uh, where else would we be like, FK Twig says she was a victim of domestic violence, brackets. Shia LaBeouf said that, like, he didn't. He only did blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Close, like, I was like, why do that? And I thought it was weird that they brought up that, um, random guy who made like a harry potter fan book and got sued by her but you also said in our notes that you said that he said he only slept her once and she said that she's feared for her life yeah she she said yeah. in her essays that she like leaving was so difficult because like there were multiple times that she thought he was going to kill her yeah and actually that kind of that narrative kind of fucks me off when people um equate violent d- domestic violence or violent situations by the amount of time someone has been hit Mm. hit physically Mm -hmm. when it's like if you are scared for your life because Mm -hmm. someone has that much control of you whether it's emotional or physical it's obviously if someone's beating you every day it's different but like it's 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 very similar in terms of like how scared you are like you don't need to have been beaten to a pulp to be too scared to leave because of the way that someone's made you feel Mm. so 
anyway. Exactly, but yeah. One part that I found um, really funny about the take of the cut piece was the assistant who spent yes. um, £18,000 on J.K. Rowling's credit card. on ex- And so she stole £15,000 around, but, like, she was spending all this random stuff. She spent £3,629 on her card on expensive toilet paper. <laughs> and then J.K. Rowling sued her and said... She had never asked Donaldson to buy these toiletries. She does not like them. She finds them overly perfumed. I was like, who is this woman? And then there was this tweet by this um, trans woman that I was looking at today. And she said, read that piece on the car about J.K. Rowling going round. Hadn't realized that Rowling's personal assistant had misappropriated funds and bought herself 4K of toiletries on Rowling's credit card. Hope she's having a lovely day. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That was like a great... um a great like Point. plot twist yeah. in the thing. That's what I mean. Like the story was was obviously kind of like this weird accumulation of like everything cunty J.K. Rowling had ever done, and I was like, the trans stuff is just enough. Like we don't yeah, need yeah, to bring up yeah. like and I was like her kind of suing someone that like infringed on Harry Potter's copyright to me just seems like a run of the mill thing that would happen. Like you don't really yeah, need to throw the that public, into the an argument. Was like about. this happens all the time. This yeah, is like normal practice. I was like, that's a weird thing to chuck into something like saying like how did J.K. Rowling turn into a turf is like interesting enough yeah uh, yeah exactly she has the vibe of someone who like in that essay she has the vibe like a right wing yeah she has the vibe of someone who literally has like said something without thinking and reading it properly because there was a bit there was a bit in the cut story that was so great that like brought up a, a, a pithy tweet she tweeted in relation to Donald Trump that had gone, like, viral. Because everyone used to love J.K. Rowling on Twitter. Mm, yeah, yeah. And then she tried to do it again with this, and this is where the backlash started. And it yeah, just... she said the, she said the um, women, like, the whimpered, what are they called? Yeah, like, they yeah, yeah. called something whimpered, whimper, like... Yeah, and she'd obviously completely misread the room and thought people were going to like that in the same way they liked her, like, bitchy things mm. about Trump. And then everyone was like, no, 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 no. And she just, instead of just reading about it... And taking her ego out of the situation and admitting that she was wrong and that she misspoke. She's just dug her heels in because she's just embarrassed Mm. that she's made this mistake. And then she's just going so... Like, I can just see exactly what the mental thing is. It's not complicated. Like, it's not a complicated thing. It's literally that she's too... Her ego's too big to admit that she was wrong on something months ago. And and even in the cut piece, they talk so much about her ego and how she hates that Harry Potter fans have... Um, taken the Harry Potter universe and made it their own. She hates. She's like, it's mine. It was mine for seventeen years. I'm like, it's, it's just a like, fucking like Lord of the Rings ring. Like, and it's also just like you're like a grown woman. Like that's yeah, weird. Fuck off. <laughs> the kids have their <laughs> fun the with kids the have your wizard. You fucking yeah. weirdo. Um, and how she carved into the hotel room. J.K. Rowling wrote J.K. the last Rowling Harry wrote Potter the book. Yeah, Deathly Hollows here. I was like, I, that's when I was reading that, I thought it was going to be like that's the sign that the hotel. Are <laughs> you writing up. my story about loving shopping? <laughs> Grace Neal wrote her piece here. Um, yeah. But as you said, like, the issue was her thinking that she's a normal person contributing yes. to this when she's a person contributing to this that's now becoming a face of a movement she's that's getting more people killed. No one's killed. talking about it But then how she was, like, she in is. her essay, she was like, oh, I just, um, you know, it's, it all started when she liked that tweet that her publicist said was a middle-aged moment. And it's like... She was like, oh, I was screenshotting all these tweets for my for research and they ac- accidentally liked one. And it's like, you can't put put accidentally liking a tweet as a, a simple thing like that our mothers could do 
when you're a powerful billionaire with a following of 8 million people. You can't just accidentally like a tweet that you never unliked either. That's what I mean. It's, like, so easily remediable to be, like, I'm so sorry. Like, if she literally tweeted the next day, I'm so sorry. I'm doing research. I'm looking at all different perspectives. I completely disagree with this person. I've just donated $500,000 to trans youth homeless shelter this is what my standing is on it no one you know what i mean it's like it's not like these things are um yeah not easily fixed in like 30 seconds yeah um munro said a really great thing after her so after her bloody article came out she then went back on twitter and was doing more batshit crazy stuff god um and munro bergdorf who we both follow who is a black trans activist in london wrote jk rowling is not a scientist she's not a doctor she's not an expert on gender she's not a supporter of our community she's a billionaire cisgender heterosexual white woman who've decided she knows what's best for us and our bodies this is not her fight yeah that's what i just think it's a really bizarre thing to like just weigh in on like i remember tweeting at her which i never do what like ages ago when she was tweeting about this and i just remember being like why are you i just like was so inspired by how insane what she was doing was where i was like why are you dying on this hill like this is just it's embarrassing for you at this point it's like you have no one on your side what you're saying but she does like she does but, but but even then it's like it's not like it's this split conversation between you and me being like yeah, yeah. well actually blah it's not it's yeah, like it's she like, obviously like, has some people who are kind of like nut jobs that are scared who she's inciting with what she's talking about but like she's she's picking this like insanely niche fringe random argument that has nothing to do with her yeah. that very few people agree with like, that I like, even feel no grounding in science it. it's just i just find it fascinating that someone who like was actually it's hard to imagine like five years ago celebrated as like a woke queen on twitter could be like misreading the room so badly i just mm. don't understand but yeah we should just not talk about it anymore i guess but i was thinking i even feel crazy talking about her talking about trans rights because i'm like we have no right to talk about this conversation because it has nothing to do with us and then i'm like she's like yeah she's yeah and it's like the same thing we were just talking about before it's just like harry potter is just like the fabric of our whole generation's childhoods like we can't separate it from our society and so also it's like Harry what Potter do we was like what do we do with that famed for being inclusive yeah, apart from exactly. like a weird racist rhetoric calling cho chang cho chang and someone's like are there any jewish jewish wizards do you remember that and it's just like anthony goldstein ravenclaw what's <laughs> ravenclaw anthony goldstein I'm like who's that goldstein the famous well. character in the book that obviously doesn't even fucking uh, exist that's what i mean but that's why i'm just like Dumbledore was gay. Dumbledore was gay. Like, do you remember all those memes that were so off. funny where it was like, no one. It's like, um, TK Rowling, like, Hedwig was a Nigerian woman of colour. Yeah, and it was like, um, um, Hagrid is a pansexual and he later joined ISIS. <laughs> it is interesting to talk about because it's like, just bizarre. It's, it just showcases how nuts the internet is, I think. Yeah, she's in a rabbit hole. She's in a, like, she's, this is what I mean. I'm like, it's so easy to see she's what's like going the on behind the scenes. like who went to Age of Light Martini Night last week, which, which we forgot about. Which was actually a thing. Even yeah, not Bella posted about it. What, she was did like, she post? Yeah, she was like, it's a special, beautiful, cosmic night. And I was like, you're fucking Age of Light Martini <laughs> Night, Bella Deeds. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking, you think you're an alien as well, Bella? It was like some cosmic, like, moons mm. that happened, like, fucking twice a century or something. Yeah. They were all there to meet the aliens. <sighs> 
And it's so annoying because Lonely makes really good bras. And they probably are aliens. And they're and, probably right. And I've been searching <laughs> to try and find other bras because yeah, I don't want to support the QAnon people. But there's no other bras that are good like this. So can you guys please send in suggestions? Because I literally got to Agent Provocateur. And I was like, this is and so much. And they're gross, yeah. Mm. Errors are nice. They're so expensive. Yeah, it's all... It's all. There's this band called Hanky Panky. And they're fucking gross. I'm going to say this thing. Acast is going to be like, your next week's sponsor is Hanky Panky. Like, every <laughs> time course. we talk shit about something, it's our sponsor for the next week. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Agent Light is our sponsor for this. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Lonely Lingerie. Beautiful, comfortable, fight like separates for the no, modern this, woman. This, this, this episode is brought to you by Age of Light. Tune in in one, one century to you by Age of Light night. <laughs> we will be drinking martinis. Tune in for our recipe for Age of Light martini night. Anyway, this is brand called Hanky Panky. They're on Netaporte and it's $925. For 20 pairs of their knickers and they're disgusting they're how like much bright pink, 925 dollars they're bright pink and yellow i'm like where is just some nice lonely lingerie lonely does such good lingerie oh it's fucked it's so annoying so i was like trying to find one then i thought i found this cute brand and it's just not that cute and it's, it's all a mess so if anyone has anything that is good for people with bigger breasts and smaller breasts uh no padding <laughs> i haven't worn a bra since 2019 lucky lucky girl ain't that the truth 2019 i believe it's 2021 in like two days when this episode comes out oh the day before this episode comes out cool (laughs) cool guys happy new year yeah happy new year hope you guys can all uh celebrate because we sure can't yep what are your resolutions oh you know what's um, stupid is that me and zach are like home alone last new year's when we didn't have to be and now we will be again but we don't want to be Mm. I was home alone. I was at your house. Yeah, you were. Oh my god! I thought you were. I was really alone. <laughs> Me. I was at your house with a fucking pizza, crying by myself on the phone to you while I you were know. like trying to make sure I wasn't going to pop myself. Come. You should have just come with us. I, I was not Uno. in the headspace. <laughs> we had some blinis and played Uno. Yeah, she. What we're going to be doing again this year? Um. Yeah, New Year's resolutions, I don't know. Same old shit. Yeah, I don't have any. I think they're nonsense. Yeah. But, like, deep down, I'm like, do Pilates. <laughs> Same. I was going to say I don't want to say Lazy them, cunt. but I've started, like, I just started working out again this morning. Did, like, a hip workout and then did yoga. Went for oh a three-hour walk yesterday. Bloody hell. Yeah, we went for a big walk yesterday as well. Walked from um this house to... All the way down the canals to Regent's Park. Walked around Regent's oh, Park. My dad tells me we have to go to Regent's and Park. And then walked to Hyde Park. And oh, then walked... when were you in Hyde Park? <laughs> uh, at like 2.30. Oh my God, so were we. We went from, from 1 to 3 p.m. Crazy. We went in Hyde Park. It was so nice. And then walked around Hyde Park and then walked back through oh. Notting Hill down past basically your house and walked home. Oh my God, we like would have been yeah. really close to each other. Wild. I love Locked that we're saying it. Like, people are interested in hearing. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, send us lingerie labels. Also, rate, review, and subscribe. Happy New Year. Yeah, we had some really nice reviews again. Did we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen them. People being like, I cried in your Christmas episode. Oh, no, that's messages. It's not the same thing. No, we got reviews as well. Oh, okay, but amazing. We're going to do that every week. We got, like, four reviews from it. We need to do a little, like, spiel every week. About how sad we are? No, about how much we love everyone. Oh, okay, we are. We love everyone. 
Happy New Year. We love you all. Be safe. <laughs> what else? Be safe. Let's go. Let's go. Stop recording. Bye. Be safe. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.